What's up, guys? I'm Chad Brock. And I'm Zach Bailiff. And he's right there. Welcome to the Orion Podcast. Good afternoon. Good evening. There you go. He got it. He's got it. Oh, gosh. Happy, late happy Memorial Day to all our people out there in the outdoors that uh, we haven't chatted with for about two weeks. We have, obviously, in the uh, Orion Coolers podcast studio, if you want to call it that. It's welcome to my office where Zach is residing tonight. He's uh, home for a little bit. And um, yeah, so we got out yesterday, did a little fishing. Zach got to go to see some old stomping grounds. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been in there. The first kayak tournament we ever ran? Yeah, first kayak tournament we ever hosted and fished. Mm-hmm. And got soaked during. Yeah, it rained. It rained so hard. We, I remember Jason Young was across the lake, and it literally rained so hard. He was over by that rock wall cutout where Dan's at, and mm-hmm. we couldn't see him over there. It was raining so hard. Yeah, I was holed up under a tree. There was no lightning, so I'm just taking cover. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember even the best rain gear was, was no match Worthless. for that day. We ended up at uh, Denny's, I do believe, after mm-hmm. that one was over. and mm-hmm. That's where we did all the... Uh, Tallying of the lengths of the fish. Yep, right there at the uh, at the Denny's Bar and Grill, uh, <laughs> over burgers and not pancakes of all things at the Denny's. Um, yeah, we got we got back out there. You caught a couple of fish. You caught more than a couple. You had a good. You had a limit. We was over with yeah. yeah, and you know, it's like nice for you when you ain't seen a lake in however many years it's been, and you don't kayak fish every day. But you got out there. You got some banger photos. Some definite banger photos. You guys will be seeing. Uh, some of them will be on the Orion Coolers uh, Facebook, Instagram, all the socials, um, as well as Jackson Kayak. Orion Podcast is also powered by Jackson Kayak. Zach is going nuts over there because he can double hear everything in his headphones. I'm because because I'm sitting here and he can hear me talking. And yeah, so it's going. It's a little Boy, strange. I can hear myself talk and through my headphones so it's a bit of a he has to hear himself yeah, twice. inception sort of thing going on no it was uh we got some good photos yesterday but it definitely added a bit of a puck, pucker factor having the cameras out there on the boat 
Yeah, and when, first. when you're taking expensive cameras uh, out on the water like that and you're just in a space that's literally just 37 inches, 37 wide. inches wide and and getting out there and you've got it in a dry bag and you've got it on your wrist strap and you think, oh, I got it on my wrist strap. So it's secure. And then you think to yourself, if I fall in, how am I going to throw it back in the boat if I hit that stuff and I go, but chances of falling in and then boats are pretty net pretty slim to none it's just more of it just throws off your equilibrium a little bit while you're staring down the barrel of the camera and not yeah. really paying attention while you're swirling in the winds especially if you get in the viewfinder and get into that tunnel vision that zone and not paying attention to where you're at and the wind slams you into some stick up or something yeah and then it's your light to dark where we was fishing at yesterday one of the strips we was at it was light to dark so you're making adjustments as you're going through there and it's it's a lot yeah but you got uh you got some quality shots that we're uh we're gonna be throwing a match on that on this we're good we did it for the gram we didn't yeah. we definitely didn't catch no big ones yesterday but no. we did it for the gram we caught a couple that thought they were big ones but they weren't no they were just in really deep water um then you know i managed to catch one on the drone with the drone flying over my head while i was i was literally flying the drone and fishing at the same time with the carolina rig over about 17 feet of water and it got uh i got nervous after i caught that fish i was like i gotta land this drone now because if the battery goes down and this thing hits the water i'm, I'm done because I launched it via the water, so it had no home spot. <laughs> its home, home spot, spot had moved. Its home spot was probably right here. But um, yeah, it was a, a nice, happy accident. It'd be cool to see that footage once it's color graded. And everything. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually color graded. It's in here. I've been trying my hardest not to post it today. I wanted to give it a day and let it marinate. I actually that was before I looked at the pictures that you sent me yesterday. I that was the first thing I did. Before I even pulled the footage from the cooler video that we worked on, I was I, I was pulling my drone footage. I had to I had to see it. I understand. That's yeah. That's that's kind of the equivalent to killing a big buck or on something and trying to hang onto the the Griffin Grin and not post it yet. <laughs> well, I'm gonna let you introduce tonight's guest. I feel it only appropriate for you to do the intro for tonight's guest. That yeah, way you can hear it twice uh, in your headphones. Yeah, that's, I'm going to have to probably do this. No, tonight's guest is a, he's a family man. He's a, a firefighter, a bow hunter, a good buddy of mine, and a video producer. Shoots a lot of photography and videography in the outdoor space. Resides in Colorado and travels all, all over the world with his camera um, to film and photograph hunts and adventures, not only for himself, but other folks in the industry as well. And uh, hopefully tonight we'll get a little insight to some of the ins and outs and how they came about and what adventures he's got planned for this year. So with no further ado, Mr. Lane Walter. Come out guys. Hey man. What's up buddy? Hey, so I got a little bit of a, a peanut gallery going on. My kids wanted to, uh, they were like, what's a podcast? <laughs> well, it's kind of like talk radio, but for young people. <laughs> so they're I'm sure they're going to get bored in about five minutes, but <laughs> oh, that just, bad life. You get to it. I was like, "Hey, we got to hurry up and get home. I got a podcast." <laughs> they're intrigued. 
so I'm sure they'll get bored pretty quick. But Well, it can't be any worse, Lane, than what's going on in here. I've got Zach. I've got a Bernadoodle running around upstairs, and i got a kid outside mowing my yard. So it's loud here as well. Nice, nice. I, my, my wife has a Bernadoodle as well. I do stress my oh, wife. There. Uh, you guys got the mini or the full size? Oh no, it's full size. It's huge. Okay, we got the we got the mini, and I'm I'm kind of glad we got the mini. That's a lot of energy. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> call her the big dumb dog. Yeah, they they are when they go, they're 110. Oh, I got a drawthar. So this Bernadoodle has nothing on that drawthar. She has a ridiculous amount of energy. Oh man, I got her as a pup from uh, Bill from Iron Will actually, and. Oh, really? About a year later, he goes, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you that they're high power. I was like, oh, no, they're, they're beyond high power. They're oh, by the, oh, by the way. <laughs> so you got it now. Yep. Uh, is it spring out there yet, or you guys still got snow on the ground? Uh, I had snow on the ground last week, but now mm -hmm. it's just all rain. It's raining right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw you guys got what well, my sister-in-law in the springs. They had like a foot. Last yeah, they got a ridiculous down. amount down there. I only got a couple inches up here. Yeah. It's gotten yeah. So, typical car. It's needed out, needed out there. I know you guys need the moisture. Yeah, I'll take it. For sure. So jump let's let's jump into this. Thank you, number one, Lane, for, for sitting down with us. We greatly appreciate it. Um so tonight's Obviously, it's it's one of your nights off, as we mentioned earlier. You're you're firefighters, so yeah. schedule schedule and timing. Um, <clears throat> kind of kind of give us a little bit about that, as far as you know, call outs, shifts. I mean, what's how's the interruptions and all that go when you're at the firehouse? Let's let's start uh, there. My, we run a twenty four on forty eight off uh, with a true Kelly day. So like every six shifts, I get a set of five days off. But other than that, it's just one day on, two days off, 24 hours. And any time within that 24 hours, if uh, something comes in for my district, we're going. So um, there, I rove a bunch of different districts or a bunch of different firehouses within my district just because I got promoted a couple of years ago and I don't have the seniority for a house yet. So I, one of my engines that I drove to is one of our busiest. So when we're there, there's really not much sleep, not much downtime, just a lot of, we train and then run calls. So it's a good time. Yeah. You guys definitely, I mean, I've heard you mention before, your call volume on a shift can be pretty high at times. Oh yeah. I ran over 20 and 24. In fact, that one engine, that's about typical. It's about 20 and 24. Um, in that 24 hour period and then there's sometimes you go and you only have five five runs in 24 hours so just all depends on where you're at what's going on in the city yeah yeah that's a that's a busy 24 hours <laughs> yeah oh yeah now now how did you, how did, you how did you get started in with the fire department how did you decide that was something you wanted to do that's when my older brother was a volunteer firefighter um out where we grew up and one day him and some guys from the firehouse were going out and paintballing and they asked me if i wanted to go and we were out paintballing just having a good time and one of the guys was like hey you should come to the training tonight and just see what's going on and i went to that first training and i was hooked they had a career guy there that was teaching stuff from well, like one of the bigger cities around there and he just like i was 17 years old didn't know what was going on with life and he looked at me and goes dude you could do this you're, you're good at it and that's all it took dude i i was i was there um it was always in the back of my mind just because when i was a kid my house burned down 
And so that was always there. And I think it planted enough of a seed because my older brother's San Diego fireman. My uh, twin brother was a firefighter with us out in where we volunteered. And now I'm a career guy. So kind of all stuff. Very nice. And you were arson unit for a while. Right. Yeah, when I got hired on the current department after a couple of years, I went to the arson unit, went to the police academy, did that. That was fun. But every time I was at a call, one, the, the schedule for there when I was there was really bad. Uh, we were rotating from days to nights. And then so that was like really hard on my family, especially with my kids being really young. And then every time I was at a fire, I just wished I was there 30 minutes earlier, putting it out instead of doing the investigation. So I went back to the street after a couple of years. Yeah, yeah I remember that was fun. Yeah, there's some good good times in there though. I had a lot of fun in there. Oh man. Well one thing we like to do with everybody along the way is kind of learn how it all got started as far as their passion in the outdoors and you know, hunting or fishing or kayaking or whatever it might be. And I know for you, a lot like me, bow hunting kind of came a little bit later in life. Um you know, were you hunting with rifles or firearms before that, or was it always just, you know, bow hunting from the start? Or uh, I tried to. So one of my earliest memories growing up, I was born outside of Cody, Wyoming, up north. <laughs> and my dad always had spots we'd go in every year. My dad would go out and kill a deer. And so some of my earliest memories are going out with my dad as a whole family. I mean, my twin brother, me, my older sister, my older brother, my mom, all of us would go out with my dad for deer hunting and just close to the house. And he would almost always shoot a deer and we'd bring it back in. And then we moved to Colorado when I was like six or seven, eight-ish, whatever. And my dad didn't have anywhere to hunt and he basically stopped hunting. And I always wanted to go hunting. And my brother and I were always outside with a BB gun or a 22 and just trying to do something and trying to find a way to go out and hunt. We'd go across to the neighbor's place and try to shoot geese. And we always sky blasted them, didn't know what we were doing. Uh, walked around with a rifle when we were 14, looking for elk. My brother ended up shooting one. Um, I'd never shot an elk. So we tried. And then we were 16. My dad took us up to the mountains and dropped us off with the camper for a week straight for elk season said hey i gotta go to work uh you guys oh, figure it out. <laughs> so we were just out there hiking around two 16 year old kids with like guns just hiking around trying to figure it out just going for a hike with their guns basically wasting Probably a lot of right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that yeah, was a good time and then uh when i that i'd always shot competitive archery i ended up spending some time out at the Olympic training centers, like when I was 15 or something like that, 14 with my brother, we did a camp out there. So we were always shooting competitively through Joad, but I never thought about hunting with it. And I remember one time I tried to go shoot an antelope with my target bow. I mean, I had a gold point, dude. And this thing was, it was shiny gold. And I was trying to stop antelope and it did not work out at all. And lobbing arrows at 150 foot a second at an animal that can move. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it didn't, it didn't work at all but i so i tried really hard and then uh i had another buddy he had some land so we were going out to his place trying I had some guys from the fire department that we'd go out and it was just a disaster from the get-go <laughs> until uh one i started hanging out with my now wife I was uh, I was 19, and her dad was like hey what tag did you draw and i told him about this tag i drew he goes turn that back in and get this one I was like, oh, I really don't want to. I'm going to go with my buddy. He goes, no, going with your buddy is not working. Come with me. <laughs> and that first morning we went out, dude, I was 70 yards from 
Boone and Crockett deer, Pope and young size deer. I mean, they might have been, might might not have been Boone and Crockett, but they were definitely Pope and young size deer. Right. And I was like, I've never been this close to them. <laughs> and, and, oh, that's what they look like. Close. Like, holy cow! Look, I don't even need binoculars. They're right there. I can see them. <laughs> This is wife, how you're supposed to do this. Yeah, my wife, girlfriend, uh, she's next to me. She goes, uh, yeah, this, this, this is how it's supposed to happen. And then, so we didn't get a shot that go around, but I was hooked, dude. Like, I getting that close to an animal. I was like, okay, this is the kind of hunting I'm going to do. A couple days later, we went back out, and I, we, I stopped within 20 yards. And I still had a movable sight, right, on my bow. And I draw back at 20 yards, and this thing sees me, and it kicks out to 40 yards. And I'm at full draw. My father-in-law just reaches over, doesn't even range, just reaches over, changed my sight for me and said, put it right on in the shoot. And so I shot <laughs> and I got first mule deer. Uh, simplify this. You just shoot it. <laughs> yeah, he, just, he sighted it in for me and I just shot. And I got that buck. And then a day later, we were on a plane going to Alaska to Prince of Wales Island for a black bear hunt. My wife ended up shooting a bear. Wow. And so that first season um, was awesome. We came home from that. I missed an elk. I experienced buck fever for the first time. And this dude that like growing up, man, I was awesome with a bow. Like I, I wasn't like great, great, but I was good enough to where a 40 yard shot at a bow at an elk should have been a chip shot. And right. I sold three arrows right over that sucker, dude. I was so <laughs> just jacked to be that close to this elk. And that's, and that's for <laughs> folks who don't know, that's a three foot tall target. <laughs> oh, huge dude. Like I missed him at, I think it was like 25 yards and then twice at 40, just straight over. I was so nervous, dude. It was wow. awesome. So that first season got me. And after that, I was head over heels. Like I was, I dove, I was, they created a monster basically. I got, yeah, a buddy, I got a buddy back then. I was working in the oil field and this guy, Chris, that I still hunt with to this day. Like he did Cameron Haynes's book and I read Cameron Haynes's book and then start, I subscribed to Eastman's hunting journals. I tell people all the time that I was one of Cameron Haynes' first like 800 friends on Facebook. Like so, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just found it right at that right time. When I read that book, I was like, "This is what I want to do." So the next year, we were in the backcountry, backpacking into this wilderness area, having no idea what we were doing, just having a blast, dude. That's yeah. awesome. That's that's quite the accolade. <laughs> he's he's talking about yeah, missing I, it. I tell everybody I was swinging from his nuts before anybody else. <laughs> I've been there so long, guys are swinging from mine just to get closer. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about missing at forty yards. I know Reed's out there missed listening, going thirty yards. Yeah. Talk, thinking about it, I had a doe come in one time. It was the first one we was ever, I was ever going to get on camera on film. And it was 30 yards away, and I shot right in the freaking dirt. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. totally missed. And my buddy doesn't – our buddy, he doesn't let it go. I mean, every time something like that comes up, he's, he'll text me, he'll say 30 yards. <laughs> I've not lived it down yet. It's been – it's probably been six years or better now. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, when you were at the OTC, were you there around the same time Evan was? Say that again. When you were at the Olympic Training Center? I just went there for a camp. I wasn't good oh, enough okay. to be stationed there, like, the way he was. Yeah. Uh, you have to be in the top 20, I believe. And I mm. never I never was quite good enough to be in that tier. I never went to enough of the tournament, term, yeah, tournaments to actually qualify to be out there. I went there for a camp. You had to qualify for something for the okay. camp. And so I was only there for two weeks. It was a blast. I mean, it was it was a complete game changer as far as like my oh, archery because 
dude, it was awesome. That's back when like Halo first came out. And so we'd have, dude, we'd have land parties with the bobsledders. And so we would run, we were running ethernet cables from one dorm room to the next dorm room. And we had like yeah. 10 guys in each dorm room and the top two, like we just swap out, like the, the worst two guys would get kicked out. The top two guys would stay playing and we just played Halo all night long and then slept for a couple hours and woke up and shot all day. It was awesome. That describes my freshman year of college. <laughs> it makes me feel old what it does. <laughs> Dude, it was a blast. Yeah, we used to run those Ethernet tables up and down the dorm room always. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, yeah, it was it was a really good time. Now, now talking about getting into hunting and what got you started there, when you look back at it and you look at the challenges you faced being a, being a greenhorn in in, in hunting and, and getting used to it, what advice would you give to somebody now if they come up to you and said, "Man, this is this your photography has inspired me and I need to get out there." Uh, dude, uh, two big things that like, one, my father-in-law, like having a great mentor. If you can find somebody that can be a good mentor like that, it like excels the learning curve. Like it just, you just go straight up instead of having a really hard learning curve. It helps so much more to have somebody that can just help you not make the mistakes. And then to this day, I still tell people that book from Cameron Haynes, Backcountry Bow Hunting, The Guide to the Wild Side. Every time someone hits me up, that is still to me better than most YouTube stuff better than anything and it's it's old information now but it's all relevant if that makes sense right. maybe the maybe the, the equipment he's talking about is old and antiquated and there's better stuff out there but as far as the tips the techniques that getting out there and doing it that's all there that book is still super relevant in my mind and those are two things i tell people all the time and i have probably read that book 10 times i would read it in the off season i would read it like the month before season and i packed it in with me a couple times just to read it back there um that book's awesome so yeah, that's, that's those are two probably really big things you can learn a lot from that one book yeah that's one i still haven't got here that i need to i need to order just to put it in my collection yeah mine is torn to all get out i should probably get a new one if you packed it in, I'm sure it's looking oh, he's up. Up. Well, he probably isn't listening to the podcast, so he may not send you one based on this, but you know, <laughs> yeah, forgot who I am. So. Yeah, he we're not there yet, but we're working on it. Welcome to episode nine. <laughs> Sweet. You gotta start somewhere. Our moms listen. <laughs> Wait, hi. <laughs> Becca obviously is involved in, in hunts as well. Yeah, but she's not yeah. listening to this, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't care. She's got more important things to do. She's cooking dinners. <laughs> how many I mean, how many hunts and adventures have you guys been on together and how did you get planned this year? Because I know she's killed some awesome animals too. So. She was uh, that first year she was on every single hunt with me, which was awesome. And I for the most part she came with me a lot until I just went really crazy and was doing solo stuff and like she had to work and you know pay bills and stuff and i just <laughs> kept going uh i couldn't tell you how many trips we've been on we've been to alaska together a few times um out of state stuff i don't know how much out of state stuff we've done other than texas but a lot of colorado elk a lot of colorado elk and mule deer and a lot of hunting from the house and um but i like i couldn't tell you how many times we've been out in the field together yeah She's got some dandy animals under her belt. I know that. Oh, yeah. If you see my house, there's like some really cool animals on the wall, and half of it is hers. It's cool. 
That's awesome. She's got a mountain goat I'm envious of. Yeah, that mountain goat's cool. Very cool. Now, in taking these hunts, obviously, it it, um, it takes a lot of financial planning. Um, that's one of the big things. What is that what drove you to start Lane Walters Productions or, you know, oh, the cameras come first? No, no, that's that's a money pit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we understand. <laughs> you know how cameras go. <laughs> you know how cameras go. Uh, that was uh, I always wanted to take a camera. And even like when I was bow hunting, like before anything, I always took a handy cam with just for kicks and giggles. Like I remember my dad ended up went in some cheap auction for a Texas doll sheep hunt. I mean, back in 2007 or eight or something. And I took a handy cam on that just cause it was cool. Um, I think part of what inspired me as a kid, my older cousins hunted and they're all North Dakota. And I remember watching one of his hunts and him shooting this deer once thinking that is really cool that I'm watching you hunt right now. And then coming back. So I always just took it with, cause I thought it was cool. I could show people not dude, the only people that have seen that kill shot of my dad and my brother shooting those rams are probably me him and like three other people but it was cool we just had it like i didn't know what to do with it afterwards um and then i shot with trevin in that three in the 3d league down here that we still shoot and he was always trying to get me to come film for him but i was so busy in the oil field i couldn't do it uh after i got into the fire department i had a little bit more time then he posted something that he needed somebody for editing. And I said, Hey, I'll do it. I had filmed my father-in-law's goat hunt and I sent him over what I had and it was hands down horrible. <laughs> he was nice enough not to tell me that, but he was like, Hey, we'll teach you. And uh, yeah, he put a camera in my hand that night, went to a couple different film schools and then just really fell in love with the camera and trying to capture pretty foo-foo stuff. Yeah, that's Trev's Trev's an awesome guy. He's a wealth of knowledge and always willing to teach. And he has gotten a him. lot of people into filming. And I mean, a lot. For of those guys. who don't know him, I kind of describe him as a squirrel in caffeine. Uh, I go <laughs> I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's, yeah. he's a high energy dude. And it's it's funny you're talking about the the handy cam. I mean, we filmed our first YouTube video ever with the Sony handy cam. I mean. Mm -hmm. And we was, we was I, fired I, up about it. I don't know when YouTube came out, but this was definitely pre-YouTube that I was. <laughs> <laughs> Ours were on the line. Yeah, they were on the line. Looking yep, back at it, the jumbo. Yep. In the tree stand. Mine finally died in in the water. <laughs> I still have one of my handy cams around here somewhere. I don't know where, but they're still popular. They're more expensive now by far yeah. than what they yeah, used to I be. Get but, like a hundred bucks from our first one. Yeah. Was, we bought them at Walmart. We said we was fired up. We bought them at Walmart. <laughs> Mine was Best Buy. I, I figured I could find a cooler one there. Turns out I didn't. <laughs> and they filmed in HD. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. 1080. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm swimming after this one if I drop it in the water. <laughs> It's good. Don't do you any good. <laughs> no, it'll be down there faster than I can get to the bottom. I got insurance on all of mine now, so. You need to. Yeah. You got quite a collection going on. Oh, it's, yeah, they're all, they're all sitting in the corner of my office. Well, speaking of starting to film with Trev and getting into filming for some of these guys, I know it's provided you with a lot of different opportunities to, to go and travel and visit new places and 
see some animals that a lot of us may never get a chance to, including, you know, get to go on some pretty much bucket list hunts, you know, for yourself as well as others. You know, what, what animals are left, you know, what, what do you have this year? Do you have any opportunities coming or? Moose is one of the ones I need to get. If I get, I don't know what it is. And I didn't even know that this thing existed, but it was like, North America, Big Ten or something. It's the okay. not even the species or whatever. Um, but like, there's like a buffalo category in the muskox, and a bison fit into that. So I got the muskox checked off, and I got the caribou mm-hmm. part checked off. I got the elk checked off, but not all the different species. And I have the mule deer, and I have the whitetail checked off, and uh, mountain goat, and a bighorn sheep. So I guess someone was telling me all I need is a mountain lion and a moose. And I'll have something under my belt. I don't fucking know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you're all right. It's only our moms listen, so you're good. Uh, so that's cool. And I've been trying to get the moose. This will be my third moose trip in Alaska. I'm going up there doing a 190-mile float trip with my buddy Lance and some other guys and Randy from Pure Hunting. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to go up there. They're all going to be going for caribou, and I think I'm going to be getting the, the moose tag for this area and trying for a moose, so we'll see. The odds are lower than where I've been in the past, but I mean, I'm just going out there to have fun. Right. We'll see what happens. That'll be super cool. Yeah, if that happens, I got a a guy that's an outfitter in New Mexico that has told me to come down there for cats. So if that were to happen, I'd probably make the cat happen this year too. Cats, one of them I really do want to do. Yeah, the snow was never right this year for me to get down there and Mm -hmm. go with him, but. As long as that offer still stands this year, I'm going to make it down there and try to make that happen. Yeah, we're trying to put together a caribou trip to Alaska, a flying trip for 2023. So hoping that one comes through too. Yeah, I think I'm going to be doing that in 2023 too, but I'll probably be taking my kids. Uh, they're old enough now that try, try to indoctrinate them that way a little bit to Alaska. <laughs> Trip. You're doing your best to raise a couple savages. I know that. <laughs> they're already bugging me. Like, and their father, my father-in-law has told them that he was going to take them to Alaska when they're eight. Well, one of them's eight now. So by next year, he's going to be nine. The other one will be seven. So might as well Close make enough. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now you, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Now, you've done photography and a lot of videography. Um, you, you enjoy both sides of the coin. Um, if you had to choose a favorite looking at the aspect of, uh, running the camera, which ones are going to be, uh, do I have to edit it? Cause that changes. The music. <laughs> if I could just run video and come back and give the footage to Levi or to like somebody like really badass, like Caleb Copeland or, um, uh, I don't know who else. Like, if I could give the footage to somebody to edit and it would turn out awesome, video all day long. I love video. I love the way it tells a story. The editing for me, though, is not my strong suit and it takes me longer than most people to get stuff edited just because I try to make it perfect and it's still not even holds a candle to like what Caleb could do. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so if I could go out and film and just bring it back, the answer is video. If I'm doing the editing and stuff, I do love being able to sit down and knock out 200 photos in an hour. Um, yeah. So, so I guess that's yeah. not what you were looking for on the answer, but no, that's <laughs> good enough. You, the no, I totally a, get it because the video editing side can be pretty involved, and 
if you're not doing it every day, you're not nearly as efficient at it as somebody who's doing it all the time. It, yeah. Yeah, you don't have that fluidity um, to go through there and, and you're not as fluid with the program and, and moving all the needles and doing everything you need to do with cutting, color grading and, and everything that goes into it. I still have a ton to learn in there. I, I'm in Premiere almost every day doing something, whether it's five minutes or two hours, three hours. I still just, there's so much in that program to learn that I'm continually, yeah. continually trying to get better in it. That's notorious for having a few bugs in there too. Oh, and then it just bogs my computer down, and yeah, then I, then I want to throw it out the window. You mentioned Caleb Copeland, though. That crew, man, they kill it. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did such a good job. And then uh, if you watch Pure Hunting's episode from Greenland, then Jordan mm -hmm. Sewitt uh, edited that one, and he did a bang-up job editing that. I, I can't imagine trying to put together, like, an episode that I didn't film. But like he took that footage and he just made it look really, really awesome too. So both those guys are good at it. But I now Greenland was where you guys went to the muskox, right? Yeah, that's the muskox hunt. But I, I, I don't think you could be Caleb Copeland in the outdoor industry right now. That guy's awesome. Like the yeah. stuff and the crew that he has over there. Those guys are nuts. Yeah, him and Ryer, they do, they do some killer work for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Now the Greenland trip, you guys. Took a boat in for that one, right? Yeah, we flew from Denver to Iceland, Iceland to uh, Nook, Nook to Narsasak, and then we got on a boat for six hours. I did not realize that was a six-hour boat ride. It was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long boat ride. Yeah. That's a long boat ride. 60, 60 minutes down Chickamauga is a long enough boat ride sometimes. And <laughs> I don't know if I'd want a six-hour boat ride. Yeah, it was I good. I, I had a lot of fun on that one. It looked like a good time. Oh, I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat. So when you when you look back, you filmed for a lot of people in the outdoors. Um, what's been some of your, your best memories, you know, filming with these guys, hunts you captured? I mean, what's What's one that stands out the most? Uh, it's, it's probably Greenland. Um, Greenland. That's the one we bring up and talk about the most. It was really cool. I did a doll sheep hunt um, in Alaska. That was that was pretty awesome. And then one that just really sticks out is filming Brian Barney's first hunt from Eastman Hunt Journals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His first hunt that they had filmed, I was his cameraman, and that was fun too. That was good. I'd love to get back on the mountain with Brian. Yeah, I hear a lot of good things about him. I've never met him, but... Oh, well, hands down, one of the nicest dudes you'll meet, like, ever. So. That's awesome. Were you with Willie when he shot that giant New Mexico bull? No. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I, was. I have this thing. I try not to film other guys in September. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's me time. That's my hunting time. Yep. So I, I really try to avoid filming anybody in September. I've only broke that rule a couple times, and one of them was Brian Barney. Um, the other one was going with Omar on a mule deer hunt. So, mm -hmm. yeah, crispy. I'm sure. I don't do a lot. I don't do a lot of September filming. So, yeah, I get that. I get that. It'd be like filming November rush. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you can do that all you want. <laughs> I'll try to find a mule deer hunt to go film in November. <laughs> were you with you were with Lee and Tiffany last year in November, right? 
No, I I filmed for the crush through Caleb, um, but it was an Alberta mule deer hunt. Oh, okay. Uh, it was actually a guy that does a lot of stuff with their show. Uh, Lee wasn't able to make it up. His dad had passed away. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up just being these two guys that were up there that were just, dude, Tom was so much fun. So <laughs> they, they, these guys were a blast. So it was fun. Oh, that's cool. Albert Mueller would be pretty neat. That was cool. The, the cool part was since it wasn't like he's just like a guest on the show and stuff. My flight got delayed, moved around, and he didn't care about it being filmed at all. So he's like, hey, figure it out. If you make it up here, cool. If not, I don't care. And so then when we were hunting, it was kind of the same thing. He goes, you better get that camera on this buck and, like, film it. He goes, but I'm not waiting for you. (laughs) It's on you if you miss it. Now, we've we've had several several fishermen, several fishermen on this podcast here and there. We always ask them what's their best story from from being on the road, but we're gonna ask you what what is your best story from deer camp? I mean, you've been to a lot of deer camp, just hunting camps. You've been to a lot of hunting camps. What's what's a story that just off the wall? Just can't believe it happened. Man, I don't know. Uh, there's been some, been some fun ones, but yeah, like putting me on the spot. There's really nothing that like really sticks out. Um, <laughs> That makes sense. No rap videos, no nothing. <laughs> no, no rap videos. No, no. Man. Yeah, we've had we've had two stories where there's been rap videos made at gas stations. No, yeah, no, I haven't done that. <laughs> oh shoot, what did we do? Uh, so Jordan, I'm not gonna say his last name. We were filming a hunt. <laughs> we were filming Trevin's Ibex hunt. And we were, dude, every, we were eating two to three of these gas station red chili, New Mexico chili burritos. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and we were stopping at this gas station every day with Jordan one day. He's just like, dude, my guts are jacked up. And he goes in and he clogged the toilet. <laughs> and, like, there's a line to get into the. <laughs> Can I borrow a plunger? <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he got a plunger and fixed the toilet so the gal at the gas station wouldn't have to fix it for him <laughs> well, that's honorable that's honorable respect that. yeah. yeah you gotta respect that yeah that was fun that was that whole hunt was fun I mean I've never seen so many rattlesnakes in January so oh, I can imagine. I've actually wild. Yeah, it was a fun one. That was really fun. Those those animals will climb up straight up and down cliff face. Oh yeah. Yep. Like Spider Man with horns. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. You've uh we talked here a while back. <clears throat> Excuse me. You recently had a, a pretty cool achievement. You've got your own space with carbon TV now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Uh, Dave, my buddy, was uh, knew Jules, and Jules kind of knew who I was just from hanging out with Dave and stuff. And that when they uh, decided to start putting some short films and stuff on, I was one of the first ones that they talked to and starting to put some of my short films on there. I'm going to have another one come out Friday before Thanksgiving, which is the one that uh, the one that I had in. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're good. We can still hear you. 
I thought I had a I thought I had a buddy text me. He got a moose tag. Colorado's moose results came out today, and he sent me a picture. And he sent me a picture saying that he's unsuccessful. I'm like, well, thanks, dude. Like, I don't need that. I just <laughs> I just need to know what I thought you drew a moose tag. I got all excited. Oh, you want me to send you a picture of mine? <laughs> yeah, I could send you I could send you my unsuccessful picture too, just like everybody else's. Right. Uh, it's gonna be the one that uh won second place in Hoyt's film Lifeblood Film Festival this year. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put that out on there and we're gonna push it right before the Father's Day. So that's got a really good Father's Day. Like it, it's probably one of the best times to be putting that one out. So, yeah, and then sure. I just got a bunch of other stuff that I'm uploading on there. I've been so bad about putting stuff on YouTube and like, I try to hold stuff back for film festivals. And so I got mm-hmm. stuff that's like three years old that I haven't posted anywhere. And carbon is going to be a really good outlet for me. It's a lot more friendly towards hunting than what YouTube is and the stuff that they put around it. And autumn and jewels over there have just been awesome. I, I I'm really excited about that, about that partnership. That's cool. So it's like having your own channel. It's just hosted by Carbon TV, and then you can put out your own personal content. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And like a lot of it's, we're kind of doing a new test run with my stuff as far as the short films instead of just doing like a series thing because everything else on there is like an episode series type thing. Right. So I'm kind of the guinea pig testing it out. So hopefully it turns out good. Yeah. So, and I've already got Walmart. Try to start putting some stuff on there. Get a channel that's more of an episode series thing, and then mm-hmm. Derek Wolf that uh, plays for the Ravens. We're working on getting his channel set up so we can start putting a lot of his hunting and outdoor stuff up on there too. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely a more friendly space for anything firearms and hunting related than what you do. hundred percent. Yeah, and that's uh, you know you, you hear a lot of guys that uh, talk about their channels getting dinged and and different things like that. It kills their views, and and that uh, that's a perfect perfect way to uh, for a lot of the outdoorsmen to to move towards those kind of platforms to help. Yeah, and I really know. think it'd be good if like people support that kind of platform more so than the YouTube and stuff. I mean, it's kind of hard. YouTube tries to pigeonhole us into like a corner and not put certain stuff out there. But at the same time, that's what everybody's putting stuff out on. And that's where people are starting to are still consuming a lot of their hunting content. Whereas if we start using the more hunter friendly platforms, then these other platforms will start seeing that too. And hopefully change their ways a little bit or either that, if they're not going to support it, just stop using them all together and go to something like a carbon. Yeah. I mean, once they start losing some market share, they'll change their, you know, their, algorithms or they'll just reduce that demographic and some of the viewership yeah and there's there's been a few apps that have popped up uh what is it uh be wild was one of them i mean there's a few different Mm -hmm. outdoors based apps you know for for outdoorsmen now to get on and and look at different things and it seems like they they take off pretty good but then it's just kind of like they just plateau maybe just a little bit yeah kind of fizzle out yeah. yeah, I don't know if the marketing dollars aren't there, if they just don't get shared enough and promoted enough or, or what it is. They definitely don't get the exposure and then they kind of fizzle well. out. Yeah, and there's a lot of good ideas, I think, with those, you know, the um, tips and tricks and different things, I think, is what uh, Gobi Wild had on theirs. And, you know, it was really neat how they had it set up to have different spaces instead of like groups and all the junk that's on different social media platforms. They, they was really geared towards learning in the outdoors and it'd be great, you know, see something like that really take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be. Yeah, it was kind of a 
idea we had a long time ago. We just didn't know how to execute. No. <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have the money to execute it either. <laughs> <I do. laughs> that was a website we didn't know how to build. Yeah. The idea was there. Yeah. For sure. We're just about six years too late. So it's tomorrow. Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we do this little thing on this podcast and it it's it's time it's called five questions it, it gets gets a little weird i ain't gonna lie to music. you there's there's strange music it's called feeding the ducks <laughs> it's even more awkward you're in the same room you know when we started doing this i i always imagined that the voice was more like leon phelps than than the voice that came out during the first podcast i was wanted just like yeah that's right but it never made it. it that's not how it came out it came out of the voice like this Yeah. Let's do five questions tonight with all our callers here on the YouTube. All right. So, Nicole Mayer. Question for you. Have. So, in Alaska, do you prefer winter or summer and why? Uh, summer. Because it's not negative. 60 degrees pretty easy like most of the time i will take the winter over the summer because i hate the heat but not in alaska no i gotta take the summer and it's daylight you can see stuff this is true that's it's fair that's fair comment the one caveat to that is you're missing out on the northern lights right yeah we were there late june early july and it was it never did get dark yeah no strange but I, I did miss the northern lights. That'd be a hard one. That kind of leads into this next question. That's, that just goes back to September. It's the best time. Mm -hmm. You'll get the northern lights. The only downside is you're missing elk. So. All right. Jason Cassidy from the land of Facebook. He'd like to know, how does getting the shot with the camera compared to getting the shot with the bow or the shotgun? The, to me, it's the exact same feeling. I love it. Um, I still have the pressure. I got to make sure I'm getting the shot. I make sure it's recording. Um, so many of these hunts I've been on, I I couldn't afford to do myself. And I have just as much pressure, I feel, to be making the shot with the camera and to make sure it comes out good and it's not like just a really bad shot. So I love it just as much as being the guy that's shooting. Absolutely. We had that yesterday. I'm uh, saying in some instances it can be harder. Than like yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to screw that shot up for this guy, like or gal. Mm -hmm. Like they just put a lot of time, effort into this, and if it's messed up because of the cameraman, like that would really suck. I don't ever want to be that, so I got a lot of pressure not to be ruining it for two. On top of capturing it and being in a spot where I can capture it. No. Question number three from the land of the YouTubes. What is the worst meal out of a pack you have ever had? That's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> what shouldn't we buy? 
I, I shouldn't say meal, but the freezer dried ice cream, the freeze dried uh, mountain house ice cream when it first came out was disgusting. It's still not good. Like I'm not <laughs> that way. I can tell you that. And uh, I love, I love Heather's choice, but I really cannot stand their breakfast. Like they're just, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty rough. The, the meals are really good. I love the meals. The, the packaroons are unbelievably amazing. Really but there's something about those breakfasts that I eat them just because of the calorie content and everything, but I choke them down. Question number four, coming to you live from the Facebooks. What is the weirdest place that you've ever had to sleep out on the hunt? Uh, really, nothing seems weird when I'm outdoors, uh, if that makes sense. Like, it's always, I have, sl- actually, okay, so Chris Honstein and I, back through our early days of getting back in there, like, we... We thought we were going to be super hardcore and we were going to just hike in all night. We got to the trailhead at like midnight and our plan was to hike from midnight till 6 a.m. and then just hunt elk all morning and then take a nap. And we're hiking in and around three o'clock, he was miserable and I was miserable. So we're like, hey, let's just lay down and take a nap really quick. But we didn't want to put our stuff out because it was all packed up. And that was the most. We were on the side of this mountain and it was steep, dude. And we were cold as shit. And we, oh, it, I still remember where I was on that trail. And I can tell you exactly where we took this nap. It was the most miserable experience ever of trying to sleep. And after like 45 minutes, I'm pissed off. He's pissed off. And we're cold as shit. And he's like, Are you sleeping? I was like, No. Or I'm like, Are you sleeping? He goes, No. He goes, Let's just keep hiking. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, <laughs> got up, dropped a pin. Don't sleep here. <laughs> it was, it was bad. Oh, and then uh, another one. We had a camp, and it was our fault for not moving. But we called this camp steep, and it was so damn such a, such an incline. Like I like I'm not exaggerating when I say it was about like this. So you would try to go to bed, and in ten minutes you were everybody was at the bottom of the tent and the tent was being like i don't know how we didn't roll down that hill dude That's the we worst. Stayed three nights in a row we didn't move because we were on so hard <laughs> that we could get up and like just go and we'd come back and it was dark and we'd be like shit we can't find a new spot and we just try it again it was miserable so i got two miserable weird places to sleep I haven't had to sleep next to a dead animal or anything like that to keep grizzly bears away. I'd rather just let them have it at that point. But yeah. there, yeah. I've had some bad sleeping experiences in the woods. All right. Last question. I don't know how you're going to answer this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Sunrise or sunset for photography? I've had some really killer sunrises. And then I'm not tired. Like, like I'm up. I'm there. It's happening. Like, it's awesome. Um, like the sun sets. Then, like, usually it's at the end of the day, and you're like, I should go do that. It's probably too late, and you just keep hunting. So yeah. And and there you have it. Five, Five questions. Can't reach the button now. I like that button. This is a dope button. You can get these on Amazon if you need one. They got they sell you all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Some stuff's not appropriate for the YouTube. Paper Jeff Bezos, yeah. <laughs>
Hey, somebody's got to. Paying for his next space trip. Somebody is. So jumping, jumping back into the real podcast questions. As a firefighter, you've and you know, outdoorsman, cameraman, everything you've got going on. Let's talk about fitness. Let's get into that. And this is this is Zach's uh, this is Zach's forte. You know, what kind of fitness level do you have to do keep up to keep all this stuff going all the time? So uh, it's funny when I started filming, I wanted to be in good enough shape to where I could go film Cameron Haynes and like always keep up like that was that's always been in the back of my mind as far as fitness. I really got into fitness uh, testing for fire departments and doing the physical agility test. And I really just fell in love with it. And as far as my job, I'm I'm an occupational athlete. Like I have to be in good shape to be a good firefighter. You can't be out of shape and be a good firefighter. Those two things are they they're contradictory to each other. You can't be out of shape and be a good firefighter. In my mind, that's that's impossible. You're, you're doing a disservice to your citizens if you are in bad physical shape and you're doing a disservice to your crew because somebody else has to pick up your slack. So it's something I preach to all my probies and all the guys on the job and gals like, hey, like we got to be in really good physical shape. So for me, I work out for that. But for the most part, like I had a guy last year in the gym ask me why I was training so hard. I was doing these stupid boxing things. I was like, I just want to elk hunt when I'm 80. Like that was the first thing that came to my head. Like I just want to elk hunt when I'm 80 and I got to put the work in now so I can still be elk hunting when I'm 80. Um, I got to like, if, if I like stay at a high level now, I'm just going to keep continuing to stay at that high level to where I can still try to hike around when I'm 80 and be going out and shooting elk. I think it would be awesome if I could still be doing backcountry hunts. Um, Schneider was talking about a guy uh, about a year ago that it was like 78 years old and still doing solo backcountry hunts. And that's awesome. Like I want to be that guy. I want to be 78 years old doing a solo backcountry hunt. I think that would be awesome. So, um, the, do that i gotta stay in really good physical shape on this same note i gotta be able to when everybody's going up the mountain with a 50 pound pack if i have my camera gear i'm going in with a 70 pound pack and so i gotta be able to keep up and my friends like it because it slows me down so if i'm if <laughs> my buddies it's great um but then when, yeah. when i yeah, when i was hunting filming for brian then my legs cramped up like crazy because he's going with a 50 pound pack mine was 70 something we weighed him at the trailhead and that guy is just an animal. I mean, just He's a freak. Goes anyway. Dude, insane. I just had gotten back two days earlier from being in Alaska for two weeks. So <laughs> I was not acclimated to the elevation, dude. And it crushed me. And I was really depressed with myself that, like, he had to slow down for me. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the hike in. The rest of the hunting part was fine. But just the hike in, when we were going straight up, like, dude, it was horrible. So and I never want to have that happen. Um, so... To me, physical fitness is huge. I'm, if I'm not working out at home, I'm working out in the gym, working out at work. It's, <coughs> oh man, it's big. Yeah, it's a, you know, and like you said, you mentioned longevity and I mean, overall quality of life and everything. It's easier to do a little bit daily versus having to play catch up later on. hundred percent. Well, the good news is by the time you're 80, Tom Cruise will probably already been there. And if you've seen Top Gun 2 or Maverick yet, I haven't. I need to go see he, that. He does a lot of running. And it's like, man, he's like 60. And he's jacked. He's also five foot four and 130 pounds. Yeah, but he's like <laughs> doing the Tom Cruise run through the whole movie. It's, it's like, dude, slow down. You're 60. 
And then you just look at him and you think, man, there's not very many other very many other people out there that are 60 that are That'll be doing what he's sure. done. Yeah, Cameron Hines, maybe. <laughs> no leg days. No leg I'd days for Cam. Yeah. He may. How old is he? Late 50s. Uh, late 50s. Yeah. Mid to late, yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Two on Joe. Yeah. I don't know. I think Joe's 54. Yeah. We got Lane on the podcast. We don't need Cam. Yeah. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, oh shoot. Speaking of fitness in Colorado, Buddy Bar's Phil Mendoza, the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge. Is this still going on? Are you guys planning on that this year? Uh, it's going to be – so he's doing all the mountain archery festivals. He's having the competitions okay. there. I probably won't make any of them. My kids have really gotten into the bull riding and other stuff on the weekends to where I won't be going to it. But um, the end of July is going to be the Nationals in Denver, and I'll be at that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know he had struck that deal up and was holding at those events. That's pretty cool for him, though. It's awesome, man. I wish that there were some more local ones for it instead of something that's like a seven-hour drive. I think there's a yeah. really big – hole there that could be filled um still like when kenton stopped doing the train to hunts i really like the way phil did it i like he's given a lot more prizes away and stuff but mm-hmm. there's definitely a hole there that still i think could be filled yeah for sure i didn't i don't think i realized kenton had stopped doing those we had some here for a while with the boat crazy challenge there was all local yeah there was a lot of fun next level fun though because you're not yeah, everybody was like you're doing what we're gonna run with they... we're gonna run with arrows. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Come out. <laughs> we did. They uh, they loved it when they were done. They did. They did, and it it changed a few people for sure. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't go unnoticed. You're active in the community as a as a voice for hunters, um, especially in Colorado. You're out there. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's talk about some of the different things that you do for conservation and and kind of give us the rundown on on those accolades. I think uh, my most recent thing is just trying to get involved with uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife as far as their tag allocations, um, just the seasons, all this stuff that they're looking at doing and trying to advocate some change in that. Last year, I had that bill go to the Colorado State Senate as far as hunting tag allocations allotments non-resident allotments and stuff um been involved in all that changes going on this year i'll be speaking again on thursday in a colorado parks and wildlife committee meeting um about looking at what they're going to implement as far as changes and stuff um that's been my main thing just um if we run out all the elk here now we drop our elk population super down low it's going to take years to recover so we got to get ahead of that now and it's going to be a bigger financial hit for colorado parks and wildlife if they don't make that hit now and if they wait for the population drop and then we're waiting for them to rebound it's going to be a much larger financial hit than just cutting out some of the non-resident stuff right now i really think we ahead of it right now um but with the wolves getting introduced next year then and we already have wolves coming down for wyoming we've had wolves coming down for the past six seven years um they finally are starting to admit that they're here within the past two then i uh, we got something's got to change we can't do it um we're the only state that has a non-resident unlimited over-the-counter elk tag other than oregon and oregon changed that this year 
Colorado's the last resort. And if you look at our over-the-counter tag pot, uh, tag sales for non-residents, it increases every single year. And that's because it's getting harder to get a tag anywhere else. And we're mm-hmm. just we're becoming the 2 a.m. at the bar. There's no other option. Fuck it. Let's just go to Colorado. And it's destroying our elk hunting. It, it is it's so bad it's not even funny you got trailheads that are just overrun with people um five hour 10 mile hike in and you got 20 other tents that you can count is unreal and it's unrealistic it's bad for our elk herds um it's bad for elk hunting but it's just it's worse for our herds to have that much pressure on them they don't have anywhere else to go something's got to change so something's got to change and it's going to change um yeah hopefully change it and for the better there's some really dumb ideas out there being blunt and there's some really good ideas um and we'll just see what they listen to as far as that goes i'm not saying i have all the great ideas but i feel like i have some i've had some really good input hopefully they listen to some of it but some of the input they've already they didn't put it one of their letters out as far as some of the ideas but they put some really dumb ones in there so Mm -hmm. i'll just speak up and speak my mind and just keep making friends on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're a guy though, with experience and boots on the ground and you know, you've got a network of guys within the state, Snyder and Frank and a lot of guys that, you know, are out there in the, in the back country, they see the herds, you know, they know what's there. And well, not that that there's some really constructive good, insight. There's, there's some really good people running the Colorado parks and wildlife. But then you got this commission that votes on everything and they change stuff and they have to look at budgets and they have to look at the all the money and the revenue that's coming in. And they, in my opinion, might not be making the best decisions when the people at Colorado Parks and Wildlife, they're running the hunting, that are looking at it and stuff like they care and they want to make these changes. But at the same time, there's also these budgets and stuff, too. And then you got to answer the governor who's sticking his nose into places they don't belong, in my opinion. And uh all kinds of stuff so they're in a really hard spot they're really good people they're trying to make this and trying to keep this good and at the same time they just are in a losing battle i don't know how i ended up at the table i can tell you in a long story how i ended up at the table with the president of colorado parks and wildlife idaho's colorado parks and wildlife montana's or uh, was montana's there i know wyoming's was there and idaho's guy looked at ours and said you guys are screwed when wolves come down and he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, no, you guys are seriously way more screwed than us or Montana or Wyoming because of your regulations around trapping. He goes, in Idaho, I think, dude, the number was astronomical. It was something like 30,000 wolf tags are sold each year. And you know how oh, many of those bucks. You know how many of those are sold are filled by hunters? Less than 300. Wow. Out of like 30,000, they fill their quota every year by trapping. And in Colorado, we're not going to be allowed to use the snares that they use for wolves and all these other states that take out half their population every year just to maintain the status quo. So in Colorado, we could sell 50,000 wolf tags and we're still not going to kill 500. And right. if you want to maintain that population at the status quo and our population is a thousand, we need to be killing at least 500. We're not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So you take that into effect on top of these overpressured elk seasons it is not good for elk herds. And I want to be doing something so that my kids are still hunting elk in Colorado instead of going to Wyoming, Montana, Utah, everywhere else. I mean, 
if we don't do something, Colorado is going to be the next Arizona, Utah, mm-hmm. Nevada to get an elk tag. You're not going to be getting an elk. I've been applying for those states for the past 15 years, and I haven't drawn an elk tag yet. Part of that is because I am a little bit picky, but at the same time, it, it's going to be going down that road if we don't do something about it. Yeah, those... And it's, it sucks. Most of the guys that come hunting with me are non-residents, but mm-hmm. I would rather have them come and do a really good hunt with me every other year than have a really crappy hunt and no elk in the next five years. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been fortunate enough. I mean, being a non-resident, I've only not hunted Colorado one year since I've been going out west. And it's, you know, knowing what units and playing the application game and all that. Um, we've hunted over the counter once, I think, in those six or seven, eight years. However long they come. But it's been extremely noticeable in the last couple of years, just the pressure on the herds and the vocalization. You just don't hear it. Nope. Nope. Wolves are just going to make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Now, as we uh, as we get ready to close this off here, we are we're past our hour mark. We get fired if we go past an hour, but it's, it's okay. No, but the boss was on last week, last time. Um, <clears throat> so, tell us more about Lane Walters Productions. What all do you guys? What all do you offer? Um, camera gear. Give us the rundown. Where to find so you? I'm pretty selective on who I want to go film for and who I go film for. Um, if it's not pure hunting or doing something for Caleb or doing something with Omar or now Derek Wolf, uh, then like it, it would have to be the right thing. I've had people reach out to me before and after being on the phone with them for five minutes, it's like, hey, yeah, what what days did you need? Oh, I'm booked. Sorry. <laughs> I, I had this dude earlier this year. And after 30 seconds, I was like, hey, you know what, dude? It ain't going to work out. Sorry. I, I do this to have a really good time. I do it to have fun. Yeah, I do it to make money, but uh, it ain't working out, bud. I, you couldn't pay me enough money to come spend time with you in the woods. <laughs> so, it takes, I'm here to tell you it takes a special person to spend nine days straight in the backcountry with. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but I do like if it's cool hunts, it's fun stuff. I got one guy right now that was hitting me up saying, Hey, I want to do a polar bear hunt. I want to do an Ibex hunt and I want to do a Cape Buffalo hunt. And I was like, let's go. I've seen him. I've hung out with him once before. Good dude. Like that's the kind of stuff that I like to do where it's niche, small, like fun stuff. And this guy doesn't have a hunting show. He doesn't have anything. He just wants to have it documented. That's the kind of stuff that I like to do. Doing stuff with Crispy is kind of the same thing, dude. It's, he's just really fun to be in camp with. Um, mm-hmm. and doing like doing all the stuff with Willie is just, I mean, you can't pick a nicer guy to be out for. Um, so it's stuff that I can plan around my other hunting. And if I can get something in on there too, at the same time, that's kind of what I like to do. I do stuff here for like construction companies. Like that's what pays for some of my camera gear and stuff is doing the smaller stuff or like, if like just whatever, just small stuff around here. If I can, uh, that's fun mm-hmm. doing commercials for different stuff. That's fun. That's local. I'll do that all day long. Um, I got one guy, Levi, Levi Mayfield that films with me and does a lot of stuff. He mm-hmm. is bugging me like for us to do a music video for a guy, which would be fun. So just kind of <laughs> like anything I can learn, yeah, yeah. like just out of that's what we do. And I just have to have fun. And basically the goal is if I can be making on I want to get it built up enough to where I can go on a doll sheep hunt every year. That's what I want to be doing, like with either between my partners that are paying me for videos and doing stuff and using their hunting gear 
and mm-hmm. like just small gigs and the film and other every other everybody else. So if I can just dedicate two weeks in August every year on a sheep hunt, that's where I want to get to. That's I will have made it far and beyond anywhere I want to be. I don't care if people know who I am. I don't care about any of that. But if I can be doing a doll sheep hunt every year and it's paid for by this stuff, that's what I want to be doing. Yep, absolutely. All, All right. right. Here, swap it out to a grizzly bear hunt. <laughs> All right. Tell thank the people you need to thank and tell the people where to find more of you. Uh, I, as far as people think, dude, I got some really good partners I work with, Kafaru, Hoy, um, Victory, Omar has Crispy. If you guys don't know Crispy 11B, he is awesome. Hanging out with, he has opened up a ton of doors for me just doing stuff, and he's just one of the best dudes you will ever meet. Uh, I think I've talked about Willie Schmidt with Pure Honey and Enough and Randy Peck over there. They're just some amazing people. Caleb Copeland, I'm going to be leaving some people out. But um, uh, the biggest thing is probably like my wife let me actually go out and do all this. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand. I understand. Uh, absolutely. I, I got a really good bar set with my father-in-law. Uh, so and him teaching me about as much as I know about hunting has been awesome. So. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on tonight wholeheartedly. Um, thanks for taking time out of your busy night for us, for our listeners. Um, we're going to drop you down below for just a minute. Just hang out and we'll be right back with you. We're going to close this thing out and go from there. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Why are you bigger than me? What the heck? Hey! We made it. Episode made it to the end. Episode nine. What are we going to do for episode 10? I don't know. It's got to be something cool. I got I got our guest for episode ten, the tenth anniversary episode. <laughs> the, the we made it to ten episodes without getting fired episode. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, thanks for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed tonight's uh, guest, Lane Walter. Um, you guys can check him out on the Instagrams, uh, R two Lane on yeah. the gram on the Instagrams. Do, he he puts out some great photos and. Definitely some stuff you guys, if you guys enjoy the outdoors. It's, uh, Check out his uh, channel on Carbon TV over there. Yes, Carbon TV. Um, but yeah, we will see you guys back again on. A couple weeks. Well, it's not the 7th. Let's see what we got. I can't even remember the days. The 14th. We will see you back June 14th for the next Orion podcast. Until then, check out Ryan Cooler's on Instagram, on Facebook, jacksonkayak.com, or you one of these bad boys right here. We appreciate you. Thanks for watching. Till next time. Bye-bye.